When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you are watching or listening live or archived, we're so glad you could join us today as we record on Monday, November 4th, and break down what was a heartbreaking 21 20 win for Notre Dame over Virginia Tech on Saturday. Our crew today, two of them were in Blacksburg this weekend, two of them were in Indiana. Behind the scenes, our producer, Malcolm Stewart, he was in Blacksburg as well as myself, Evan Huger, podcast host. These two are returning from South Bend yesterday. We've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, and our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. Uh, so glad that everybody could be with us today, again, as we record on November 4th. A reminder that this weekend, every week, the TSL podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031, or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. So Jonathan actually, uh, I wouldn't say we went to the game together, but he did stay in the house that I was in. Oh, uh, really? Yep. That's yep. awesome. Uh, gosh, uh, I'm trying to get my days straight here. He drove up. Part of the way Thursday night, yeah, Halloween night, the rest of the way Friday. Left at like 10.30 Saturday night to drive back to Blacksburg. Wow. Now, I'm, I'm awful. I haven't communicated with him yet. I haven't said, hey, man, did you make it home all right? <laughs> so, uh, um, it's a long he, drive back. He said he had to be back for church Sunday. That is a long drive. I did it. It's uh, 550 miles. Took me about about 10 hours, you know, with stops and stuff. So that's uh, uh, awful. I got to hit him up and ask him how the trip went. It's terrible. That <laughs> hopefully I... he got back. Hopefully he got to church on time. Yeah. Um, again, with that, good morning, everybody. November 4th. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today on the Tech Sideline podcast. Uh, we'll spend the majority of the time recapping the Notre Dame win over Virginia Tech. Uh, at the end, we might get to a little bit of basketball stuff since they open up their season tomorrow against Clemson. Uh, but we have a lot to get to. want to remind those that are watching on Facebook, really appreciate the uh, the Facebook questions. Facebook can be a little tricky sometimes when it gets to questions, so we invite those that are watching. Try and leave your questions towards the end of the podcast. It's hard to kind of scroll back up, so we want to leave a little bit of time at the end for you guys to get your questions here on the podcast. But Guys, I know it's been a long weekend for you guys. Chris, you landed. You said it. Uh, you got home at midnight last well, night. Like a little after midnight, I walked in the door last night. That's on Sunday, Monday most of the morning. Day in the airports. That's fine. And Will, you drove there and back. So, uh, how? First of all, how are you guys holding up? I'm good. I mean, fine doesn't take anything out of me. I mean, the longest part of the day was sitting in the airport, but I actually wrote a column when I was there. Um, the flight from Roanoke to Chicago was basically an hour and forty-five minutes. Uh, so then I flew back to D.C. and then from D.C. to Roanoke. And the flight from D.C. to Roanoke is basically as soon as you get in the air, you land. So uh, it's, I'm, I'm fresh, fresher than I thought I would be. It was hmm. an easy travel day uh, to me. 
suppose I'm doing all right. Um, <laughs> you you know, had to drive, so I, I'm I'm really bullheaded. Whenever whenever I'm traveling, I just prefer to drive. So I drove the full 550 miles. Had had Russian hokey with me, and we left. I don't know. We left about 8:30. Got back about six. I had to do some work here. Had to go to church. Didn't really get myself together at home until like 11 o'clock at night. So, so that's all preface to the fact that Chris and I have not rewatched the game. We haven't even, you know, as, as Chris said before we went on, on, on the air with the podcast, we haven't even seen one replay. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're coming in cold. This is going to be the best podcast yeah. ever. Here's the perspective <laughs> I like, though, about it. You guys were in the, in the stadium, yeah. and we're going to get your perspectives from, from being there and your, your gut reaction to it without seeing the replay. So I actually kind of like this perspective. Well, and, and I do want to talk about the Notre Dame experience a little bit. Yeah, go so, ahead. So on the last podcast, uh, we talked about how I, Chris didn't go up in 2016. I did. And at that point in time, they had just started their stadium expansion. Um these days, it's not really right to call them expansions because they actually reduced capacity, <laughs> but they're, they're enhancement. They're rebuild, with, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and when we were there in 2016, they had built the building that their video board would eventually go on. So they have their video board now. It's fantastic. It's not the biggest one I've ever seen, but, boy, is it, it is sharp. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, uh, don't want to go on a little negative rant here, but it's kind of refreshing to see a video board where they basically showed replays didn't blast you with a lot of music, didn't run a lot of commercials. And I'm sitting there looking at it going, is that just a decision on their part? Or, you know, I bet if you go back to the early days of when Tech first had their video board back in 2000, I think is when they put it in so they could show Michael Vick highlights. <laughs> um, you know, Tech's, Tech's operation wasn't wound up yet to where they were selling advertising either. Um, but it almost looks like it's a decision on Notre Dame's part to not abuse you with their video well, board. Well, they, uh, they had a lot of pushback from traditionalists when they wanted to put a video board up. A lot of people didn't want it up. Yeah. They, they just wanted to keep things as they always were. No doubt. Notre Dame tradition, no doubt. you know? So uh, they've had to be careful with what they put up there, I'm sure. And they've done a good job. Yeah, I um, thought it was fine. Um, you know, the, you can complain about, you know, when a call goes Notre Dame's way, they show the replay. But if it's the other way around, they don't show a replay. If it's any controversy at all that might go against Notre Dame, they don't put the replay. The, yeah, there, there was one particular play. I don't remember what it was where I really would have liked to have seen a replay, yeah. and they just never right. did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I think it was but, the targeting that got reversed. Notre, Notre Dame player was yeah, called they, for yes, they never showed Not a replay. single replay. Yeah. yeah. Um, now they showed Wallers over and over and over. Over and, and <laughs> over and over. And there were other replays you got to see. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> yeah. Six to eight times. Yeah. You know, yeah. But overall, I, I, I liked what they did with their board. And um, – the one thing they did that was kind of weird was, you know, I had like eight guys in my row uh, together. I, I was up there with a big bunch, and there were eight of us in this particular group of seats. And at one point, they ran one of those videos where they're running all their famous alumni across there, Jerome Bettis and Joe Theismann and all those people. And they're talking about how great and awesome Notre Dame is. And this goes on for like a minute, you know, and, and then it ends. And, and my buddy looks at me and goes, I'm not really sure what the purpose of running that is. You know, and, and, and I get that you want to celebrate yourself and your heritage, but Notre Dame's on another level, man. I mean, everybody gets it. You don't need to see a film of guys talking about how incredibly historic Notre Dame is. It, it is, you know. So that, that, that was one – I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm well, nit- i got to put nitpicking. something up there. I'm nitpicking, <laughs> you know. Chris, let me ask you this. Yeah. Your first time at Notre Dame Stadium, how was it? Oh, it was awesome. Well, it's not just necessarily the stadium. It's the whole atmosphere of the campus. Uh, the town itself, 
uh, you know, people always tell me their fans are so nice. And, yeah, um, if anybody's as nice as Nebraska fans, it's Notre Dame fans. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're borderline annoying. They're so nice. Uh, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> Even my Airbnb hostess wake up every morning and cook me breakfast man i i wow. stayed in an airbnb that was like a five maybe a 10 minute walk to the stadium an amazing house just beautiful and and of course there were 15 of us in it paying 350 a piece mm-hmm. for two nights we ran the math they made about five grand off that one house for the weekend so if you got six or seven home games and you're doing that i'm making some good that's money. a lot of money and and the the lady that we dealt that with that rent, rented it to us um she was actually in town. Uh, when we <clears throat> left Saturday, she popped by to do something. So, yeah, this is a decision I guess she and her family have made to, to rent the house. Yeah, the other lady in, in our house was retired, and she stayed there the whole weekend. It was us, her, she her was two actually dogs, there and cooking her cat. Her, oh, cooking yeah, breakfast, yeah, we man. just hung out with her, cooked breakfast in the morning. Man, it was great. Yeah. Man, that's, that's awesome. That is pretty yeah. cool. Well, the experience was great. I'm sure we'll kind of get more into that a little bit later as the podcast goes along. But we do need to dive into the uh, the, the game itself, the yeah. 21-20 win for Notre Dame that featured a lot of highs and lows, just as any football game does. But from a near 100-yard scoop and score for Divine Diablo to – a game-winning touchdown drive from Ian Book that had fourth-down conversions and so everything in between. Will, how do you summarize the loss for Virginia Tech? So uh, it, it was. Hmm. I don't. I don't know if people are going to like hearing me say this, but I, I was more calm during this game than I've been. At, at any other close game that I can think of, I don't know what was going on inside my head. But I just kind of stood there and watched the whole game. Didn't really get that worked up high or low about anything. And I think it's because uh, my expectations going in, you know, we talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, I picked Notre Dame to win by 10. But um, Chris and I had this expectation. People asked me, what do you think is going to happen? I said, you know, the only thing that would surprise me is if Notre Dame blew Tech out. I think either it would be a close loss or Tech will find a way to win. And that's, that's exactly how it unfolded. And I guess it was this weird thing where since I was basically watching what I thought would happen, I didn't get that wrapped up in it. And I also personally am more interested in what happens the rest of the way with trying to win the Coastal. That's what I'm into. I'm not really into that game at Notre Dame. Um, If I had gone up there for this game five, six, seven years ago, um, I might feel differently. Having been up there in 2016 and experienced how nice their fans are, I don't have the hate for Notre Dame that everybody else has got. You know, you sit here from a distance and you criticize the fact that they got their own TV contract, that they're not doing what they're not joining a conference. They're yeah, yeah. You think I'd be in the ACC instead of an independent? If I, if I could be an independent, no way. Virginia Tech could be an independent if if they could, right? I'd, if they could get their own TV deal, then yes, I'd be in favor of Virginia Tech leaving the ACC or whatever conference they've been in and having their own deal. I mean, Notre Dame's not doing anything, you know, you know that any other school wouldn't do if they had that opportunity. And think about Notre Dame. I didn't understand. Uh, there's some things about them that I didn't really understand. You know, I was in a restaurant eating, and they had all their national championship banners up in there, and they haven't won once since 1988. So mm-hmm. They've just won one in my lifetime. And I don't think the environment in college football these days is conducive to, to Notre Dame winning another national championship. And I think they realize that, and I think they're okay with it. I didn't hear one single fan up there talking about playoffs, national championships, anything. They want to be – 
they want to continue to do things the Notre Dame way. And if that gets them nine or ten wins a year, that's great. I think because I think they think doing things their way is more important than winning that national championship. Because yeah, they're they're comfortable yeah, with who they're, they they're are. V- they're very comfortable with who they are, and that was refreshing to me. Yeah. Um, because I don't know that I, I I don't know that Tech fans are comfortable with who we are, or I don't know if Tech fans know who we are. Right. Um. There's a sort of an identity crisis. I mean, people talk about oh, the football program. It doesn't have an identity. I don't know that the fan base has an identity anymore with what expectations are, what's reasonable. I, I, I don't know. But Notre, Ooh, Notre, Dame, I hear, Notre I hear, Dame. I hear the sound of a can of worms opening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, no, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame fans are comfortable in their own skin, man. Yeah. They're going to keep doing things Notre Dame's way, and I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, it's uh, – you know, and being in the stadium with them, they're not loud. There's 77,000 of them. They really don't make a whole lot of noise. Yeah. They were excited when they won, but they didn't freak out about it. It's kind of hard to, kind of hard to put into words. But they're just pretty mellow with they're the whole experience. They're extremely mellow. You know, yeah. they have a good time and they treat visiting fans well. Yep. So uh, the the point I was making was that I w- it wasn't super important to me to beat Notre Dame five, six, seven, eight, definitely ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Yeah, I wanted to knock them down a peg. I just don't feel that way anymore, and I'm sorry if that angers people. You know, trust me, I got a couple emails that I did read this weekend where people are sending me, uh, you know, pictures of the missed calls and they're, they're <laughs> yeah. irate. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that's another thing we'll talk about later. But yeah. uh, um, so, I, so so I was I, I'm saying I was just oddly mellow through the whole experience, way more mellow than I was during the North Carolina game or the Miami game. I yeah. was mellow. Um, maybe it's because I just, you know, went through a much more dramatic experience in Tech's previous game yeah. with the ups and downs of that game. So back-to-back games that are you Plus, know, we similar don't, in closeness. So let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you much rather beat North Carolina than Notre Dame? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I Just from uh, – Everybody just from knows a, how I feel about North Carolina. Yeah, I, I respect articles. Notre Dame. I got no respect for North right, Carolina. Right, sure. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I would go deeper than that even. Can't But But now that said, I, w- I was really disappointed when I left the stadium. When Book scored that touchdown, I was really, really disappointed because that was a game Tech led for – I didn't think they they deserved to be tied at halftime, but I thought they played much better in the second half than they did in the first half. And it was just just disappointing to see it go away like that. Let me ask you just a broad question. Why did Virginia Tech lose that game? That's a – yeah. I think you can point to several several things. I think they – Probably would have won it, won it with Hendon Hooker. Although we don't know that for a fact, I think our uh, the cornerback situation at the end of the game uh, can p- be pointed to as a main reason. Farley gets eject- uh, not Farley uh, Waller. Waller gets ejected for targeting, and they bring in Chapman, who I think has improved by leaps and bounds. He immediately gets that interception, which is called back for roughing the passer. Uh, but then he gets hurt. He limped off the field. I they brought that. in Quillen. That's why Quillen was in the game because Chapman who, and, got hurt. And who gave up the fourth and ten? Right, exactly. Um, and then Farley got hurt, so they brought Chapman back in, even though he was hurt because they don't have anybody else to put in. Um, and they immediately targeted Chapman with a running play. Um, so I mean, I think the Virginia Tech's lack of starting cornerbacks for the last drive is probably the reason they 
they, they lost the game. Yeah, you know, yeah. everybody's – trust me, I'm sure there are people on Facebook right now saying, no, it was all the missed calls by the refs. Eh, uh, well, you know, they still could have won the game even with those. Uh, yeah. And now let's talk about the other thing that I'm sure everybody wants to talk about, why Bud ran a Rushing three defense. and dropping eight. Because Jovan Quillen was in the game. You have to protect him because he can't cover. And I didn't realize that. I didn't. I wrote my article from from an airport yesterday, so I wasn't really thinking clearly. I, I didn't really think about that part of it until I was in an airplane at some point last night. I'm like, yeah, elaborate I'm like, a little know, bit on that because Tech was dropping so, so, eight in coverage the majority but, of the game. But before you elaborate, the the flip side of that coin is pressure the quarterback so Quillen doesn't have to cover. Yeah, and there's but there's no guarantee you're going to get pressure. Like I, I under no circumstance would I have done a four man rush because Tech can't get pressure with a four man rush. Right. So you might as well. Just rush three and have an extra man in coverage. So you either go after him in blitz with five, six guys, or you drop eight into coverage. And mm-hmm. he chose to drop eight into coverage because I'm guessing because he did not want Jovan Quillen to be exposed in man-to-man coverage. And he didn't say that. You know, the weird thing. But he, Bud's comments after the game were like, well, you know, you got to think about that quarterback, whether or not he's going to scramble. And I'm kind of scratching my head going. He said something about having some different different personnel in the secondary, and that's what he meant Did he? It. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, okay. I, I've, I've I read that in Corey's game recap uh, this morning, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the main reason. I, I'm, I'm not sure – he calls it exactly like he calls it if he has Jermaine Waller in a corner on that entire drive. And then, and then I'm not sure Notre Dame would have called the, the, the quarterback run if Farley hadn't gotten knocked out of the game. Like, I think it was the previous play. Yeah. They, like Chapman had limped off earlier, then they bring it back in hurt to replace Farley, who's hurt, and then Notre Dame runs right at him. And he gave up the outside containment. And that was on the game-winning play? That was the game-winning yeah. play. They, they ran it at Chapman. Well, so, there, there were several players that did not distinguish themselves on that play. Right. And I'll just leave it at that. Sure. So I do well, want I, I never would have expected it. I mean, that, that was a gutsy, gutsy call. If, or if he gets tackled, the clock's running, and you have to run, and they have no timeouts left. You have to rush your next play. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's not something you – that's not a high-percentage play. And and that that's why we were so surprised by it. I mean, our defenders yeah. were on their their back heel. And 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 I can, I can I can agree that their minds probably got crossed up a little bit. Like, oh, I can't really go after him. He's going to pass. And right. next right. thing you know, he's he's in the end zone, right. untouched sure. basically. Yep. So l- l- let's start with the defense because they were the story of the game for Virginia Tech, and they kept Virginia Tech in the game in the first half, and then didn't allow any points until literally the final drive of the game in the second half. Was that the best this defense has played the entire season? Yeah, I would say so. That doesn't surprise me though. Notre Dame's offense isn't very good, and they were and they were at, their only good running back was out. Yeah. Um, so the, I expected Tech's defense to play well. Um, you know, you're going to look at the box score and say they gave up 400 and some yards. It wasn't a good day. But if you look up yards per play, it was right around five, maybe a little over Which five. Which is tolerable. Oh, it's extremely tolerable. Yeah. It, it, UNC was 5.5. And that would rank 87th in the country. Yeah. So I mean, that was a really good defensive performance by Tech. Notre they just Notre Dame just had the ball for 30 more plays than than, than Virginia Tech. Uh, they ran they ran about 30 more plays, 28 more plays, 27 more plays, something like that. And, th- and that was the difference. I mean, all those three and outs for Virginia Tech, particularly early in the game. Um, I, 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 you know, you six do, six out of their first seven possessions were three and yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you know, you, you just. You can't help shake the feeling that if the quarterback situation had been – not to take anything away from Quincy, I I thought 
at times his receivers did help him out, but at sometimes they did they not, did not yeah. either. And so, and so there was a uh, so Trey Turner apparently went on uh, Twitter last night and 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 posted words to the effect of, "I'm sorry, I screwed up. I got to do better." And and Trey dropped one or two passes that I thought he usually catches, but that uh, and this is a bit of a tangent, but but that's twice that Trey has been hard on himself. Yeah. He uh, he he fumbled on the uh, the Furman game. Yeah, in the Furman yeah, game, and Fuente said after the game he was quote unconsolable unquote. Yeah, Trey, relax, man. You're a good player. You're not going to make all the plays. Don't be so hard on yourself, particularly if it's an early fumble against Furman. Let's not be inconsolable about that. <laughs> now, if you drop say a two point conversion that's going to tie you with the number one team in the country, yeah, a la right, Ernest sure. Wilford, yeah. you can be upset about that, you yeah. know, but you know, he does. Uh, he, he needs to take it easier on himself. Uh, let's uh, kind of go a little bit chronological. Actually, before we do that, do, do want to talk about the quarterback situation, and then we can kind of go chronologically in bits throughout the game. Uh, you know, earlier in the week, Coach Fuente had made it appear during the press conferences that Hennon Hooker, even though he didn't come out and say it, it, it kind of felt like Hooker was going to go. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards he said, listen, if this was a guy who had started for two years or so, I would have felt comfortable putting him out there. But for a guy who's only played in three games, he, he played it safe and went with Quincy. What did you make of it, that? Yeah, um, and, and he said that he he's like, he, he – from what I understand, he essentially said, I wasn't BSing you earlier in the week. I really thought he was going to play. Well, he really wanted a hooker to play. Now, yeah. from what I understand, I think those those Fuente comments are designed for him to take the heat and to take any kind of heat off hooker. But from what I understand is the training staff felt like hooker was 100% and could have played. But hooker himself mentally did not feel confident in that knee. I mean – Imagine that happening to you and seeing a picture of your knee doing that, you know. And so I don't think he was – Hooker, from what I understand, they didn't feel like Hooker was mentally back. And they, they didn't want to put him into a game where he wasn't going to turn it loose. And if you mentally feel fragile, like you're not ready, you're, you can't turn it loose. There's a, there's a block there. So I think that's why, the, that, that's why they ended up going with, with, with Quincy. Uh, mm. that's, that's what I heard the day before the game at least. All right. So they uh, they go with Quincy. We, we talked about punting on the six of the seven drives um, to begin the game. But really, I, I feel like where this game really starts to, to get some juice to it was about the about a couple minutes left in the second quarter. And Patterson, one of his better throws of the half, he finds Hazleton uh, inside the red zone, called back an eligible receiver mm-hmm. downfield. Yeah, um, that was the pop pass we've been looking for. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it was a tough time to call it because Notre Dame is in man coverage the whole time. That's not supposed to work against man so, coverage. So on on that play, you know, Coach Fuente really was he was upset about it on the sideline. They kept showing him from you guys for, from your vantage point in the stadium. What did you see on that? And what exactly for those that don't know? Because I think that was a question that was, was on Twitter. What is wh- why was that called? Like was, what is the ineligible man downfield and both receivers were back off the line of scrimmage. Uh, but they were kind of at the same depth as as the linemen, except for the center. I mean, you see these days the linemen lining up off the line of scrimmage sometimes, it seems yeah. like, and officials are very loose in what they call and what they don't call. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, this is something like Fuente would have to explain on Tech Talk Live tonight or maybe in, in the media session later today. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where Fuente would have his point of view about who's on the line of scrimmage and who's not. And the refs would have their opinion. Um, and these refs did not distinguish themselves. They did. That was a poorly played game. Yeah. Poorly called game both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Um, 
you know, there was a there was a pass interference on Chapman in the end zone late in the game that didn't get called. He was giving uh, the receiver a big yeah, old hug. Yeah. And, and no, no, granted, the, the hold on, on Caleb Farley on the previous play was pretty silly, too. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, he, the Notre Dame receiver just kind of fell down and they <laughs> called Farley for holding. <laughs> and it's not like Caleb's the most physical guy on the right. planet. You sure, know? He's sure. a good cover guy, yeah, but it's yeah, not yeah, like he, you're going to fall down if you touch him. Exactly. Uh, so I don't know. It's one of those things. I'd, I'd have I'd have to see the replay. Um, it's unfortunate because the very next play, Virginia Tech fumbled. That that, that was that was the fumbled reverse, and and the, and we were kind of I don't want to say grasping at straws, but that's the only expression that comes to mind at that point from a play calling perspective. Because you know Notre Dame knew exactly what Tech was going to do, so that they they stacked eight in the box and went with man free, basically. Um, now, in hindsight, maybe Tech should have gone four or five wide sometimes and spread, tried to spread their defense out a little bit. Maybe that's something they could have done. But I think the main thing is they were in man-free, and their corners did a really good job on Tech's receivers. And even when Tech completed that pop pass, it was against man coverage, and that play is not supposed to work against man coverage. Because the, and and that corner did a good job. Hazelton was who, well. Uh, who caught that ball? Was it Hazelton? Hazelton. He, it was, he was well. Yeah, he was yeah. well covered on that play, um, and he would have been down probably around the fifteen yard line or, or thereabouts. And he was inside the ten. He was that was my end of the field. Okay. He was at like the seven or eight yard. Yeah, line. Yeah, I guess you're right. I was, was I, I was on that that end of the field too. Actually, ended up sitting with Riley Hokey. Yeah. I wondered. Yeah. I wondered. Yeah, because yeah. Jonathan said you were not up in that. Yeah, game. yeah. I get, Riley, he gave me two tickets before the game. He was like, well, set me. I'm like, sure. Yeah. There you go. So you mentioned the fumble, and then Notre Dame looks like they're about to go up 21 7 before halftime. Uh, Rayshard Ashby pops the ball up in the air on a, on a give right up the middle, and then Diablo takes it to the house, scoop yeah. and score. Uh, how, how cr- I mean, I, I feel like uh, the, e- the easy answer to this question is going to be really important, but. How big of a difference is it down 21-7 at yeah, halftime yeah, tied mean, at 14? Down two scores when you can't move the football. I mean, at halftime, the total yards was something like 243-85. to 85. Um, Yeah. And that could have easily been 21-7 to 7 with the yardage in Notre Dame's favor, and you're like, man, we have no chance to win this game. Yeah, you know, and uh, you're just playing out the second you're half. You're just playing out point. the second half, exactly. And, um, and Virginia Tech's touchdown came off of – it was kind of a – it was an interesting, and maybe you remember the details. I haven't had a chance to review it. it. It was a fairly long drive, but it was aided by a couple of penalties. Yeah. They made one big play, and then they executed it in the red zone and got the touchdown. Quincy's first two completions were that fourth down conversion and then the touchdown pass, yep. I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We talk about how, yeah, Virginia Tech could have won the game with some better officiating or if the cornerbacks didn't get hurt or whatever, but – 98-yard fumble returns for touchdowns or fluke plays. Now, you got to get your hat on the ball. That's a 14-point you, you, you got to do everything right, but at the same time, it's still up to the running back to fumble. It's still up to the football gods to have that ball bounce right to your free safety with nothing but green grass in front of him. Um, those plays are flukes. And so from that standpoint, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're just sitting here thinking, man – we hadn't thrown that pick in the end zone. If we hadn't fumbled at the one, we'd blown those guys out. And no, the, and, another, and, and we'd be saying the same thing if the shoe was on the other foot. And, and another play nobody's talking about is when Ian Book just threw the ball straight to Dax Hall. Right, <laughs> <to Dax laughs> like what are you doing, man? You know, and and that that at, 
I think they were in field goal range at that point. And no, they, they were. They and were. The, and I was, think they were moving and looking like they were, were going to score a touchdown. They that off at about the 15-yard line there. Yeah, yeah. by, yeah. by the way, for Dax, seven total tackles, two of them for tackles for loss and a yeah, sack and interception. Strong, he had his strongest game. He's gotten a lot better. He's getting better. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so 14-14, and then, you know, looking back on it, I mean, you know, when we do these, it's all about the woulda, shoulda, couldas, and you can always examine it that way. But – Tech getting a field goal on the opening drive of the second half compared to a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Certainly looking back on it, that was a So I was event. responsible for 10 points because late in the first half, I went down to go to the restroom, and then when I came out, I'm like, oh, I'll get some food before everybody comes down for halftime. And, and of course, they have TVs down there. I can't quite see them, but people start yelling, and I back up and look at the TV right about the time Diablo's at the 50. So I get some food. I hang out during halftime. <laughs> second half starts without me going back into the stands. And I, I, Virginia Tech kicks a field goal. So while I was underneath the stands, Virginia Tech scored ten points. Ten so of their twenty points. I went back and, of course, I got. I went back to sit in my seat and I got the old. You sure you want to come back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have left when Notre Dame got the ball at their thirteen yard line with three minutes left to go. I should have gone back underneath the stands. It's all my fault. <laughs> it's all on Will. I'm kidding. No, no. Um, but the field goal. I mean, that was that was an important drive. You look back on it because that was could have put Tech up. Yeah, it, it certainly could have. Um, and you know there there were multiple chances when Tech was up seventeen to fourteen, and then they had to kick a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown. If they had scored a touchdown to make it twenty four, that was the one where there were a couple of uh, fade route attempts into the end zone, right? And right. then a run, yeah, and kick the yeah, field goal, yeah, yeah. And Fuente explained that he said, you know, we threw the fades when they had their safeties up at the line of scrimmage, and we had man coverage. And then we ran it when their safety was back. So and he was ba- he's basically like, you got to make a play. Right, yeah, and, 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 he's, he's, and, he's, and he's correct. I mean, there, there's a reason Tech has been so successful on those fades the last few years. And, and it's because when they get the matchup out there one-on-one with, with receivers like Tech has, it's a high percentage play. Just in this case, they didn't get made. Yep. So one drive I want to go to, which, by the way, no, no points were allowed on this drive, which I think everyone forgets. But uh, do you want do you want to discuss, which we did a little bit uh, earlier, about Jermaine Waller getting ejected for mm-hmm. targeting, came in on a gang tackle and, and, and got him. Yeah, um, and, and that, that was – Ashby made such a great play on, on that. Tackling him for, what, a three- or four-yard loss, and they would have had the ball in about the five-yard line, second and long. Uh, no points were scored on the drive, but man, that could have been a field position flipper thing. Yeah, I, I must confess, I was rather upset with Jermaine Waller on that play because in the stands, watching the replay on their video board, it really—it was clear target. It, he, was, yeah. he, it was the definition yeah, 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 of target. He made a decision late when Ashby really had the runner wrapped up. Yeah. Waller made a decision. One, one of those you, things, you see guys do that, and I, I swear sometimes that's like half of targeting calls is when. A guy's already about to be tackled, and another guy comes in like a heat-sinking missile. Head down. Yeah, head down. Yeah. All you got to do is just go fall on him. You know. The only bummer about that is if you watch the replay, his, his the guy the, the 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 ball carries momentum is going down. No, it just happens now, now, to. No, that that that's one thing. Now, it can be avoided by you can go in hard, but keep your head up. Right. Um. Just don't don't go in, basically with your eyes on the ground. Go in with your eyes looking at the ball carrier, and you're fine. A lot of targeting calls would be prevented by proper tackling Te- technique, right, right. period, e- end of sentence. Exactly. And let's open up another slight can of worms for about 30 seconds. I, I, ha- I have an issue with football in this country and that there's not one governing body for football at all levels. Um, 
like the, the rules are different at every level. So like an eight-year-old's getting taught something. Eight, you think an eight-year-old's worried about targeting? No. So things like that are, you know, Jermaine Waller started doing that when he was eight, nine, ten years old, right? And when you've been doing something basically since you were that young, it's really hard to, to grow out of it. I mean, I think this is a sport where we need to establish one set of rules when these guys are really young and keep the rules the exact same across all levels. And eventually stuff like that will get eliminated as guys come through the system from top to bottom. Yeah. But right now you're just asking – it's asking guys to go against their, their, their nature, how they were raised basically. Well, yeah, you have the NFL commissioner. You have the NCAA. We all know how worthless sure, they are, yeah. you know, and – and then you got nothing at, the, got, at yeah. the youth and yeah. high school level. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything's like at the state level. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we talked about Chapman coming in, getting the interception on the first play comes in, roughing the passer, keeps the drive alive. But everyone forgets that drive with the amount of flags that there were on both sides. There were no points. Notre Dame missed a field so goal. So that was all in the same possession. Correct. Wow. See, I, I thought I thought watching the replay in the stands, was it Adams that uh, – Eli Adams. Eli Adams. Um, I, th- I thought it looked like a decent call, but apparently on television it didn't. People said it was an awful call. Uh, yeah, I-, I thought it was one of those borderline calls. That could- I've-, I've seen worse, probably not called, and I- I've seen lighter called, to be quite honest with you. I thought it could have gone There were two way. seconds after he uh, threw it. I mean, I-, I thought it was a pretty uh, legit call. Okay. Uh, right. Personally, yeah. I, well, the, I know sh- some people might disagree with they me They showed on, the but replay I- in slow motion, of course. I need yeah, to see it live. Yeah, you-, you know, yeah. you can't sit here and say, oh, look at that. Well, the ref's not seeing it in slow motion. Now, you he, say he, it in live speed. It wasn't like he went in high or anything right. like that. They right. just took and, I, and I'm not saying it was, it was egregious either. My, my, if you, I always count. If Whenever there's a roughing the passer, I always count. When the ball's thrown, how many seconds is it until he gets taken down? There were two seconds I counted, and then he was uh, – Okay, that's – Maybe I'm a quick count. I mean, but, I, I'd, I'd have to see it in but it, But the thing is, it wasn't uh, a low hit. Like, you typically think roughing, roughing the passer's up really big. Like, he goes for the knees. It's a bad – you know, it was – Unintentional. That's the thing by the way, that, that might be another reason why Bud didn't go after the quarterback late. I mean, he probably saw that and was like, "Man, if you're going to call that, hey. and I'm going to be blitzing six guys, and uh, I don't." Yeah, know but don't yeah. don't coach out of fear of but, bad things yeah. happening. And, and, and I really don't want to spend a ton of time on on calls because you know both ways, like we talked about officials. I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on from in the stands though perspective on the kickoff. That was need at the one. Oh, yeah. And not just, just curious of what you guys thought from the stands. Uh, a lot of fan, people on social media, was that, a, was that a safety? Was it not a safety? What did you guys see? Uh, well, I was on the opposite end of the stadium. So I thought he caught it at the one-yard line and backed up into the end zone, and they sh- didn't show a replay. Somebody uh, p- responded to the article I wrote <clears throat> this morning and said his front foot was at the one, but his back foot was on the goal line which technically puts him in the end zone. Um, I, I, um, I, I, I'd have to, you'd have to see the, the ruling. Yeah, number one, I don't think the play was egregious. Number two, frankly, I don't really know what the rule is. So I'm I don't not, know what I'm the not, rule is. I'm going to assume they got it right. I mean, that should be something clear that you'd be able to get right in replay. So I'm going to assume that they know the rule and they got it right. Um, but, I, again, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen the replay. So while it's in my mind, how about Terrius Wheatley and, and the – 
That was an that was adventure, genius. Wasn't it? We we're sitting there in the stands, and so he he goes out of bounds, yeah. falls in and grabs the ball, and it's on the kicking team, and it goes out yeah, to the yeah. thirty. I have no idea. I was amazed he knew that rule, and that that was that's, that's one and of the that you, that's a credit to James Sheebus that he knows that rule. That's one of the sharpest plays. Well, I've earlier seen this all year, year, I think Illinois did it about a month ago, yeah, right. and a lot of people well, on, on social. Okay, were, okay, you know what Justin Fuente is really good at. He tells his coaches all the time and support staff. He's like, if you see a play in a game around the country, text it to me immediately, and I'll have our film staff cut it up, it and we'll show it to the team, and we'll explain why this happened and what happened. I guarantee you, he showed that. Play oh, you no, know, he said he team. did in the post game. Right. Oh, he was he? talking okay. about how, okay. like they, I, I forget who was saying it, but apparently, like it has been preached. Okay. to well, do that. Well, that's how Wheatley knew. Sharp, man. Yeah. yeah, and that, that got the kick uh, kickoff. I've, I've, I've had my issues with the kickoff return team this year, but that was well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, you know, again, I want to keep talking about the defense. You know, I, I, I know that, you know, the final drive happened, but, I mean, that defense was just, just one play away from holding the 16th-ranked team in the country to 14 points. Two fourth-down conversions on that drive. Uh, I mean, you know, again, you look at the box score defensively, there just seems like there's a lot to be proud of looking at this Two days removed. As much as it stung, yeah. a lot to positive. No, yes, but let, let, I also I want to kick this perception out there before we get to the Wake Forest game. All right, I think Wake Forest is better than Notre Dame. They're, so they're better balanced. Notre Dame averaged 340 yards per game against Power Five conference teams. That is a bad offense at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So I got I real I recognize that they got a 16 next to their name, but that, that doesn't mean that. People who vote get it right. I mean, I've I, they got smacked by Michigan. I, I watched. They, they weren't as dominant against UVA as they should have been, considering UVA's offensive line troubles. Uh, uh, they struggled to beat USC, and I watched the USC game against Oregon the other night, where you where USC got beat by like forty. Um, it, it, it's not a dominant Notre Dame team, especially offensively. They were better last year. Yeah, oh, oh, a lot, gosh, be- lot better last way, year. But they, had, they went yeah. three deep at running back, had better receivers, made better everywhere. Yeah, last year they, they don't. They're a well-coached football team. They're solid. Their coaches are going to get the most out of their players. They're experienced, but they're not a dominant team. That game went how I thought it would go. Basically, I uh, I, I thought Tech matched up well. I don't know that Tech matches up as well against Wake Forest because Wake is better offensively. Yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna get into that on Wednesday. Right, we'll get I, into I that really on don't feel good about that uh, game. But the good news is, you know, Hooker will probably be back, so the Tech right. offense should be more effective. We'll see. I haven't, I haven't completely studied Wake yet. So I, I, I mean, I don't know about the number sixteen team in the country, but I know Notre Dame didn't belong in the top ten. They'd been in the top 10 where they were for a long time. Yeah, they they looked it against Georgia, but that's. That's the only time they've looked at this yeah. year. Yeah. Good, good, good so, team, but not top. Right. So we have talked a lot about the defense, and I do want to kind of close before we we um, we we get to the uh, Facebook Live questions on offense. You know, so Patterson runs for seventy-seven yards, but McLeese thirteen attempts, thirty-two yards, and then only three receivers caught passes: mm-hmm. Hazelton, Turner, and Grimsley. Is that an effect of when Quincy is in the offense is so focused uh, around him? running the football that others are going to get taken out of the equation is that fair to say uh, you know uh, i think with only one healthy running back being mcleese and he's a buck 80 keep in mind that king yeah, did not play he Don't, did not play dalton um, keen got some carries you know, dalton keen got a few carries but you know for the most part you got one tailback yep. and he's a buck 80 and you can't run him into the ground um so you're limited from what you can do from that standpoint 
I, I think some of it is, is really just Notre Dame and how they play defense. And in hindsight, it should not surprise anybody how they aligned against Virginia Tech with the man free. And probably what should have happened is Tech's receivers probably should have made more plays against man coverage. Um, I, I, I noticed some instances where, you know, uh, Tech's guys struggled to get separation. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was one particular in- instance where I, I watched the receiver and – and the, the the route was sloppy. Mm-hmm. It was half-hearted, and mm, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Oh, so let's do this. I'm uh, I'm looking at our Facebook live feed right now. I'm sure Malcolm's looking at it. Right we got a lot of questions coming. I do want to remind for those that are watching right now. If you asked a question in the beginning of the podcast for some reason, Facebook is weird and we can't see that. <laughs> so uh, feel free to ask your questions now. Uh, that Will and Chris will get to in just a moment. We'll step aside for a timeout. When we come back, we'll get to your questions. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, and I'm Evan Hughes on the Tech Sideline Podcast set. So glad everybody could join us recording on Monday, November 4th. I want to spend just two minutes, three minutes before we get to the Facebook Live questions because we're recording on Monday and the men's basketball season tips off tomorrow. Uh, at Clemson. As if we couldn't be any busier. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I understand it's a busy time, but I just want to quickly Get your thoughts. We had a, uh, For those that uh, did not get a chance to listen, we did have a basketball preview podcast uh, two weeks ago, so feel free to go listen to that. But quickly, your thoughts on the season opening tomorrow at Clemson. Man, I got no idea what to expect. I was actually thinking about that this morning. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if they actually rolled down there and beat Clemson? And this other voice in my head said, you need to stop that. That's, that's probably not going to happen, <laughs> but let's roll it out there and see what happens. So I'll be looking for um, – Chris, would you agree that the vibe out of camp seems to be that Landers Nolly is the best player? Certainly the best scorer, I would yeah. say. Can't yeah. wait to see him play. And Jalen Cohn, can't wait to see him play. Um, I, I don't uh, – and people get mad at us when we talk like this. When we did that basketball preview podcast and we were managing expectations, uh, some people got pretty pretty pissy with us in the YouTube comments, you know. Um, no, you know, this is this is going to take a while and be a work in progress. So, uh, you know, when I sit here and say I don't have high hopes and people are like, oh, it's Clemson, they suck. No, they don't. You know, well, they, they were had, a bubble team last year. Yeah. And the, but the, the thing is, they, they lost a lot of guys off last year's team. And there's so many new faces in both, both programs right now. But they're not breaking in a brand new system. The game's on the road. They're not going to be relying on two guys three guys who were supposed to still be in high school. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tech's recruiting class turned out to be, I, I think, an upgrade over the class Buzz was going to sign. But how Tech went about signing it was getting guys to reclassify. Yeah. And they're going to be putting 17-year-olds on the court tonight, guys yeah. that are supposed to be starting their senior seasons of high school right now on the road in an ACC environment. Now, that said, there's so much unknown for both teams. Tech could win the game. Anything can happen. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know anything about Clemson. I don't know anything about Tech. 
well, we're going to start finding out tonight, aren't we? Yeah, well, Tuesday night. That's right. Yeah, um, I um, uh, No, I'm pretty excited to see him play, and I'll be looking for the little I, things. I can't wait know? to go to the bar so I can watch the ACC Network. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> see, I'll be watching it at home. All right, there we go. There's our little bit of basketball. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about it on Wednesday. Now, wait a minute. Um, that game's on ESPNU. Is it? Correct. It is on the oh, U. Oh, I thought yeah. it was on the ACC Network. The U at oh. 7 o'clock. Okay. So. Oh, okay. Never mind. Tech at Clemson. Uh, opening up the Mike Young air. We'll talk about it on Wednesday. All right, I want to spend up uh, as much time as we need on our Facebook Live questions. Uh, thanks to everybody for chiming in. Uh, let's throw it over to the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. What's going on, Malcolm? How's it going? <clears throat> All right, let's start with Eric Fisher. Uh, how much will Waller being out for the first half of Wake Forest hurt us? Oh, oh that's yeah, not good. That hurts. They, they, <laughs> they like they, to throw the ball. They, they, oh, and man. they like to move fast. They, they've got uh, that receiver. He's the uh, brother of oh Surratt. Oh Surratt, yeah. Surratt's uh, brother, Chaz Surratt's brother. I forget his I, first I name. I can't remember his first name. <laughs> He's a receiver at Wake Forest, though. And honestly, the only game I've only watched two, watched most of their UNC game, which they won, and I, I watched about probably half of their Louisville game, which was their only loss. Man, that that dude can play. He uh, he, he has been ACC receiver of the week at least once. Yeah. He's, he's so a good this is a bad time for for. Uh, Waller to be out. I hope Chapman is healthy and he can start at corner. Um, you're probably going to have to protect the side of the field, maybe that that uh, Surratt lines up on. Um, so I, I watched I watched Wake play. I can't remember who it was earlier this year, but uh, if I remember correctly, Wake in terms of tempos like top five that, in the that, country. That might be they true, they yeah. run the plays fast. Yeah, and they they do, and they're experienced. Now their quarterback missed the Florida State game because he was hurt. They've had to start their backup quarterback. And they still won, right? They still won 22-20 to 20 against a bad Florida State team. Okay. So uh, they're, they're, they're very capable of looking really good, but they're also, you know, they're not going to overwhelm you with talent. They're going to overwhelm you with experience and being well coached and things like that. Um, but they're not going to overwhelm you with talent. I, they still they give up 60-some points to Louisville. And, and yeah. Louisville's really well coached, but – I, I don't know. I, I think I think they're better than Notre Dame on because they're more balanced offensively. But that's if their quarterback is ready. And I, I, being so focused on the Notre Dame game and tr- trying to get basketball previews up last week, I haven't had a chance to pay any yeah. attention at all to Wake. And, and, and it's and not time to preview yes, Wake that's one anyway. Right, right. So let's just answer the question saying our oh, gut, but yes, our it, gut yes. feeling is – it's, it's a, ba- it's a it's, bad week. It's, Why can't he miss the Pitt game? You yeah, know, they can't this, throw. This is not good. Or the, miss the Georgia Tech game. Or the pit game. Yeah. Either one of those games. Not this one, man. Mm. All right, what else we got? So I saw we got, what, new schedules updated to like 2030 yeah. or something? Yeah. Um, I've already. So Chris Blevins asked, what do you think of those? Or the teams added to the future well, schedules? And to add context, that's James Madison in 2025. And then a home-and-home home with Alabama. There's also Ole Miss in there. Ole Miss and Alabama home-home. Home. Uh, yeah, and somebody put One of them is actually in our lifetime, right? <laughs> somebody put it at a tailgate to me over the weekend he's like yeah i can't wait for that 30 th- or 2035 game i'll either be watching it from a nursing home or i'll be dead yeah. or something like that yeah. i mean um, we don't even know who the coaches are going to be at that point uh we don't even know if tech and alabama will be in the same division we don't know how much college football will change between now and then so um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing i'm guessing the money disparity between virginia tech and alabama right now from a percentage standpoint, is greater than the money disparity between like Virginia Tech and Richmond when Division One football split between one A and one double A oh, back yeah. in the seventies. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. So, uh, so I, 
not him, not 100% convinced that we won't see some kind of a landscape sh- landscape shift in college football between now and but then. Again, that but again, that's, that's another that's another yeah. can of worms. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I like it. I'm Honestly, I don't care about the Alabama series all that much. I would look forward to going to the Grove. But, again, we're talking 2030s. Long time. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a long Can't time. Can't wait to away. bring my kids to the Alabama game. Sure. So my thought about that is is they, they announced series with Ole Miss and Alabama, and there will be another series with an unnamed mm-hmm. SEC Correct. team. And I, I have not had a chance to think about this or do any research, but that struck me that there's some sort of collaboration going on between the ACC and the SEC. That there, there's somebody pulling the strings. That it's not mm-hmm. just Whit Babcock Could in Alabama be. and Whit Babcock in Ole Miss. Why would Virginia Tech say an unnamed SEC well, opponent? Well, go back and read Whit's release. Okay, he said we consulted with some group in this. So yes, there is a middleman. Yeah, if okay. you go back and read his press release. Yeah, yeah and I, I, I didn't see if other yeah. ACC schools were announcing SEC yeah. Yeah. matchups at the same time. Right. I, I didn't notice that. Conspiracy theory. Huh. so we've got. Multiple people asking about the uh, the last drive where Notre Dame got their touchdown to win. Like, how do you feel about it? What would you have done without hindsight? I mean, well, the hindsight, clearly I think you mix up. I, I don't have a problem with a three-man rush, but I don't know that you do it every single play. You pick your spots with blitzes maybe here and there. Um, but, again, at the same time, and I, I didn't think about this at the time. I didn't think about it until late last night after I wrote my column. I'd be real hesitant to put Javon Quillen out there on an island against against that six against all their wide receivers who were like big tight ends. They got they run about four yeah, Bucky Hodges out there. I kept getting Claypool and Komet mixed up exactly. because their numbers they're are both similar. Like they're six, both six and huge. They both look like tight ends. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, so I'd have been hesitant to leave Quillen on an island out there. Um, I, 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 maybe, I, maybe in a situation where he he was on the wide side of the field, I would have been okay with with a blitz and. And him, uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I think we lost because we scored twenty points. I think um, I, I have a couple thoughts on it. Uh, number one, out of, out of eighteen plays, I would have taken my shots at that quarterback probably at least three times. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been careful what personnel I did it with because Rayshard Ashby and Dax Hollyfield, they both have sacks. Sure, uh, they are not guys that that respond quickly laterally. Right. So I would have been more likely to run Tisdale in sure. and blitz Tisdale. Yeah. Um, or blitz a whip. Yeah. But but Connor was hurt. I don't even think he was in the game on the, on the Connor last Connor played a little bit, but yeah. 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 Um, and he's the, your best blitzer from that spot. Ladler's not really a blitzer. He's more of a coverage guy. So the other thing people, people don't really talk about is when you're rushing three for 18 plays, I don't know if Tech substituted any. Those guys are gassed by the end. Not oh, only are you yeah. rushing three, but they're really not getting any any yeah. traction at right, all. Right, exactly. So uh, I would have I would have done something. That's my answer. Yeah, uh, and Tech doesn't have a natural pass rushing defensive end on this team, and I also don't think, with the exception of Tisdale and Connor, they don't have a natural blitzer. I, I, on, that, on, that's kind uh, of the point I was but, making. And, and right, and Connor was hurt. Yep. And you know, and keep in mind that Tylon Garbett did leave. With an he, injury, he did, but, and, 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 and then he came back in. Oh, he did. Okay, I yeah. missed that. Yeah. yeah. Now, now Garbett, there. No, no, he got hurt, and that's when he. I'm pretty sure he left. Eli Adams came in, committed the personal foul uh, penalty, and then Garbett came back in. Uh, yeah. 
Um, yeah. There were there were a few instances where Garbutt got isolated on book outside the pocket, right. and that's when he really showed his athleticism. He played and, and book he, had to get rid of the ball. He played really really hard. Garbutt plays extremely hard, man. Yeah. That dude's got a motor. He's not a natural pass rusher or anything like that. Four tackles, player. a tackle for loss, mm-hmm. two solo, two assists. Yep. And is there any mention of QB hurries? Because he had a lot of At those. At least three. Yeah. It is not in the uh, the, the yeah, yeah. R- road stats crews do not tend to hand out QB hurry stats to no, visiting they don't. teams. <laughs> yeah. All right, Malcolm. I see more comments keep rolling in. We got a lot here today. Uh, Daniel Charlton from the parts of the game I watched. It seems the play calling went long pass with sloppy routes, then run out wide, then run it between tackles. Uh, did you see anything differently? Well, I just think they're so limited with what they can yeah, do with Quincy. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with it, but I don't know exactly what Quincy can do. Uh, I think he's very limited. You're talking about a guy who threw 70 passes as a senior in high school. As a comparison, Trevor Lawrence threw more passes as a freshman in high school than Quincy threw his entire career high school in career. high school career. Uh, so – I just, his experience level is extremely low. The raw talent is there, but he I, throws I just, a pretty spiral. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't. I don't think. I just think they're very limited with, with what they can do with he's when he's in the game. It's funny that that when uh, when Hendon Hooker replaced Ryan Willis, you saw the uh, the passes back to Keen, and Keen suddenly mm-hmm. became much more productive. Right. And with Quincy in for a full game, Keen was not a factor. They didn't run any right. plays like that. They didn't even run any flanker screens that I can recall. Yeah, you can't do that when Notre Dame's up on the line of scrimmage and That's tight true. man coverage. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It very, yeah, you know. Flanker screens come when you're, you're running multiple receivers on the field and that safety, the inside safety, is way back off the line of scrimmage and alignments. And, and, you got and one Notre Dame wasn't giving them that look at all. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Leo Monroe, this is still a question. Any word on the new D.C.? <laughs> no, I, I didn't no. hear anything new. Haven't heard anything new at all. Uh, it is strange, though. Think about it. A month from now, Virginia Tech will probably have a new defensive coordinator hired. That's true. Yeah. And, yeah. But no. But no. no nothing, nothing new on new. that, Leo. I think that's the last one for – no. Uh, is King in the doghouse for more than a game after skipping practice? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So, so you, well, Tom, we don't know what the reason is. There's uh, nothing that was in. Well, well yeah, do we? Yeah, I mean, we do. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, it's not, I mean, that hasn't been said officially, but that's why. Okay, since the saying. question got asked on Facebook and it's out there in public domain, the rumor is Kashawn King skipped practice earlier this week and was late to another practice or last week. Yeah. Last week, leading up to the Notre Dame game, uh, would not have mentioned that if someone didn't put it out there on Facebook. So it's out there. So we'll address it now. I, that's a good question, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think he'd probably be in my doghouse for a while. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's – yeah. Well, you didn't finish your sentence. What, what, what were you saying? Like, uh, He'd be in my doghouse. Um, I mean, skip practice. Because he missed practice. Okay. Yeah. So somebody, somebody asked me, like, okay, so let's assume that's what he did. How does that work? Did he tell the coaches to everyone coming to practice, hey, hey, or did he just hey, coach, not show I'm not up. coming today. Okay. <laughs> or I just don't show up, which is worse. No, no. When you don't show up, I mean. Maybe they won't notice. <laughs> right, right. They won't notice that their number two tailback isn't a practice. There's today. 105 guys yeah, out yeah, there. Maybe I'm, they won't notice I'm not there. You know, honestly, <laughs> they're mad at him, of course. But but they're also, you got to be like, dude. We didn't know where you were. We were worried about you. Right, right. You know? Uh, and I don't understand, like, in what world – I don't remember what I – things that went through my head when I was 18, but I never would have skipped football practice. 
Maybe he came from a high school where he did that, and there weren't any repercussions. And he got away with it. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Who, who, who knows? Um, but I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. He shouldn't be, but it is kind of funny. I don't think it cost us a football game or anything like that. But who knows? Maybe, maybe it costs us one later this year if he is in the dog. It's house. funny because we like Kashawn King. It's yeah. not like he has a long history of stuff like this. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about this kind of thing two years from now, we're not going to be laughing. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. plenty of guys have had troubles freshmen and and been completely fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, Keith Short at the Sugar Bowl was a. I was, I was, I was just thinking him. Some right? guys get sent home on the bus. Exactly right, and turn and go turn around to have great careers and everything, and it's fine. Now I, I will be upset, and I like I said, he'd be in my doghouse for a while. I don't know exactly what I'd do. I hadn't really thought about it, and it's hard for me to say without knowing him personally. But if if he is in the doghouse for a long time, he's played in five games now. Ah, oh, bummer. Oh, yeah, so uh, oh, no, we haven't had the red shirt comment on the podcast. Well, you're yet. right. You're right. <laughs> <It> was, drink. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the but, gnome is still laughing. But, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I feel like I would bring him back at some point so I could justify that not red shirting him. Right. But you know, let's say they they're really bad at him and they suspend him for the rest of the year. Then the end of the year, we're sitting here thinking that guy played in five games and he can't red shirt. He should have skipped yeah. practice the week before. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. the question. Mm. Um, Any, anything else? I got one more from Matt Nestor. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when he's talking about. Is Matt says, related to Doug? <laughs> maybe. Uh, we're throwing it down the field, just throwing it, getting first down after first down. Why do three straight run plays? That's all defensive alignment. Um, we throw it down the field when they put their safeties in the box and we have single coverage on the outside. And then if they play a safety back and we can actually get a numbers advantage, then we'll run it. And that's, that's just that's the way most offenses work these days. And, 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 the, and the, that's simple for the quarterback to read. Where are the safeties aligned? Well, the quarterback wasn't even reading it. It was almost every single play, the whole look at me thing was going on. Right, right, Looking over to the sideline. Like like I said, we're so limited with what the quarterback can do. So, I I just think – I think you throw out at least half the playbook with Quincy. Maybe Man, at, at least now we've got an entire game's worth of film that when people ask, you know, why isn't Quincy start, why didn't he play, and right. you can point to the Notre Dame so, game so, and say, because it limits the playbook. Uh, right, and so the guy last year who sat next to me in Lane Stadium and every single game would yell, put in Quincy, annoyed me the whole year. I was actually so glad when he sold his tickets to UVA fans for yeah. the last game of the season so I didn't have to sit next to him anymore. So, but so, so now, put it, now you knows. know, whoever you are, now you know why they didn't put in Quincy last year when he was a true freshman because he – can't execute. He can't execute half the playbook now. Well, how much do you think he could do last year? Last year, year yeah. yeah. And you know, hopefully he'll get there. No, he's know. a smart guy. He'll but that's be fine. where he is right now. But yeah. All right. Well, thanks to everybody for uh, chiming in on Facebook. Really appreciate the questions. As always, we close out the podcast. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a busy week here at TechSideline.com. Basketball season, football season. The crossover has this begun. Week. Yeah. So Chris did manage to get an article up late last night. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll try to get something for Tuesday. I was thinking about uh, watching the game and going over all of the missed calls on both sides and kind of here's the ramification of those calls. Like you mentioned, the targeting and all that. Uh, excuse me, not the targeting, but the uh, late hit on the I did see some comments yeah. of people disagreeing with me. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it's just all judgment of when you watch it. and you know, But, it's but open for what it. did that penalty cost? It cost oh, a little sure. field position. It didn't cost points, you know. 
Um, I was thinking about doing that sort of breakdown, so we'll see. So we have the basketball game Tuesday night. Um, we got to give a shout out to the wrestling team for we do stomping twenty nine ten. Did they really? Yeah. They did. Uh, so they Tech were. was ranked sixteenth. Missouri was ranked ninth. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. On and the, and they they laid a whipping on Missouri twenty nine to ten. They yeah, they, they were, had lost to them the last two years. Right? I, I, did last did, three? Did Roby say they've never beaten Missouri? They in lost the in two thousand and four, and then. Uh, they they wrestled them the past three years. Contract expired. Coach Smith, the Missouri coach, Roby of Virginia Tech, wanted to keep it going, and so this was the uh, this was the first time Virginia Tech they won. I believe it was seven of ten. Yeah, matchups. And one of them was forfeited. One of correct. Them was, yeah, and that with, was with no Makai Lewis. Correct. Right. Well, so they you know McFadden dropped down to one sixty five. Yeah. Looked great, but then I mean there were some youngsters that, that looked. I mean John Borson, heavyweight, a major decision, looked fantastic. Scored a lot of points. Mitch Moore had a pin within thirty seconds. Yeah, forty one. Twenty six seconds awesome. or something like that. And I tell you what, Joey Prado wrestled really, really well good. at one twenty five. I don't think they would have forfeited. It was a random draw, so one thirty three would have been the second to last match of the duel. And after Prada won, and I think Missouri didn't really have a ton of 133 wrestlers, they, they were thinking about putting a 125 guy at 33. And I think at that, that point, they were just like, just forfeit. Um, uh, and so they're doing the wrestling on in the baseball stadium. When is that? Correct. That's on Sunday against Northwestern. Uh, they're the Hokies and, the, and Northwestern wrestling on the diamond, uh, weather permitting, knock on wood. Hopefully I was going to say. That's a, I, I was like, that I was doesn't like, seem that, like that, great weather for outdoor wrestling. Like, hey, <laughs> Tony, that's pretty ballsy there. And he said, well, if the weather's bad, I guess we'll just go inside or something like that. But so. I, I think it'll be interesting. Again, you credit Virginia Tech and Coach Roby for trying to find creative ways to uh, enhance the wrestling experience for the Moss Art no Center. Oh, and, so and you, you weren't running that podcast. I, I, I said, yeah, that's uh, that's Atlantic Union Bank getting a little more bang for their sponsorship buck of, <laughs> of, of English field. Yep, yep, 100%. So that's on Sunday. And so, yeah, and uh, they had uh, the uh, Southern Scott, the, I'm sorry, the um, southeastern, they changed. It was the Hokie Open, but then they changed the the, the the name of it. But they're they're open at the Berglund Center on Sunday. And I'll tell you what, guys at 125, really, uh, Sam. I mean, Latona, and you know, there's a lot of bright talent in that wrestling room. So uh, that's a big win for Virginia Tech over Missouri. I mean, they 29-10 is. I, I imagine out. I imagine Tech will jump from 16th to I don't know maybe. 12th. And some of the other rankings had them at at, at higher spots, but right. um, you know, I, I think that. Uh, you know, last year they lost. Uh, no, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but they did wrestle Northwestern. I, I believe they it was pretty close. So uh, Sunday should be should be a good one at uh at Atlantic Atlantic Union Park. Did they change the name? They they are no longer Union Bank. They're Atlantic Union Bank. There we go. Yes. Um, but yeah, just kind of wrapping things up again. Texthighline.com. Uh, will there be any basketball stuff this week? Yeah, I'll have a Clemson preview out. I don't know if it'll wow, be today how are you going to do that? I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, a ba- basketball writer needed apply with him. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Uh, women's basketball opens up their uh, season tomorrow as well. At home. And at home, yep. And then uh, Tech Men's Hoops will be at home on Friday. Friday. Uh, home opener. So a lot Excellent. of great uh, stuff coming up this week. Going to remind you to follow Tech Sideline on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, all at Tech Sideline. Uh, be sure to like this uh, video if you're watching it. Archive subscribe and like, please. Subscribe and like. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday to preview Wake Forest. Uh, as you kind of heard throughout the podcast, I think these guys will have some uh, in- interesting takes on Wake because. 
They're pretty good, according to Will and Chris, this article today. 7-1 for a reason, man. We'll recap the Tech-Clemson game, and uh, again, we'll get you set for Tech and Wake Forest on Wednesday's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. That'll do it uh, for our episode today. Thanks to everybody for listening and commenting. For our producer behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. My name is Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.